We are in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, thou shalt not steal. And we'll also be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to get ready for that. The Bible teaches us that God condemns the taking of anything that does not rightfully belong to us. That taking from others or from him that is not rightfully ours destroys our soul and our society. It was Don Wildman said, a person doesn't have to be dishonest simply because it is the accepted way. Being right is worth far more than being accepted. Why would I even say it's a problem? Well, because in 2021 alone, there were 37,899 armed robberies alone. Shoplifting in 2021 was 548,000 cases, and that's just the ones that get caught because only 5 to 10 percent of shoplifters ever get caught or prosecuted. Uh, my co-worker was telling me he was in Boston for the big hockey game a few weeks ago. They have the hockey game outside, I think maybe January the 3rd or 4th, something like that. And they were at a store and they watched a man doing shoplifting and he started chasing after the man and, and, the, and the guard stopped him from chasing the man who was stealing. And he said, I want to see, I'll go punch him. And we're going we're gonna to have words, me and that guy. And the guy escaped through the elevator and he... And the, guy, and, and the guard said, sir, we get, just step away. And the, I want to see the manager. And the manager came up and said to him, now listen, sir, I want you to know that we just figure that loss and there's nothing we can do about it, so you just need to let him go. I, and he, he, he over the railing, he said, that guy's a shoplifter right there and trying to get people to... My, my son, when he was working at Bass Pro, would have to, and they would know it, but it, had, it was so much, just so difficult to catch shoplifters. They had to be on the premises. They had to catch all these different things. They even have gangs now. The stores have closed, I know, in San Francisco because of all the gang thievery where they go in at once and just inundate a store and rob. It is a $100 billion annual problem in America. $100 billion. And what's the most likely thing to be stolen? As my wife said, cosmetics and makeup are the most likely things to be stolen. So anyway, there you go. That's the thievery. <clears throat> a London taxi driver would, uh, would, would leave his, gar- his lunch in the back seat in a brown bag, and every day someone had taken his, his empty lunch bag because they thought something might be in it. I just saw today where a lady returned $15,000 in cash and got a new car. And so anyway, that, that was a pretty good thing. I became personally acquainted with robbers, 38 years, robbery and thievery, because I just had gotten married. And Stephanie turned to me and said, What yours is mine, and what's mine is still mine. It's mine is still mine. She didn't say that. I was, I was, she, she would not say that. You saw that one coming. Thou shalt not steal. It's the Eighth Commandment, and the one we don't need a doctorate to understand. Now, I would love to have several doctorates and many things, but I don't have any yet. God's word tells us that anytime we make anything, take anything that belongs to somebody else, or withhold that which rightly belongs to somebody, that's also thievery. We only think of taking something. But if you're withholding something from somebody, you are robbing from them. We're going to see it's time or money or affection or possessions. All of those things can be part of the robbery, thievery situation. Turn with me now, if you're not there already, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, and we're going to use this text, if you would, as a three key principles to draw from it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Ephesians 4, 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, 
that he may have to give to him that needeth. Three key things, integrity, industry, and generosity. Integrity, industry, and generosity. So we see first is the necessity of integrity. Now, what are some ways to live without integrity? You can look across our country and see that many days, every day, many ways. First of all, is direct theft. Direct theft. Again, I mentioned 2021, 37,000 plus armed robberies. One British writer said there are two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more, and the other is to desire less. The desiring less is much cheaper than trying to accumulate more. Direct theft is obvious, shoplifting, arm robbery, burglary, we understand that. Matter of fact, I read the statistic this week as I was preparing. 80% of Americans at least one time have shoplifted. 80% of Americans admit to at least shoplifting one time. Retail stores and private homes are not the only place for, for crime scenes. We understand that. Stealing in the workplace is epidemic. Matter of fact, it's a $55.0 billion annually employee theft. Accounts for $50 billion losses in 2020. 75% of employees have stolen at least once. And 90% of all theft related to, complo- uh, to companies is employee generated 90 percent of the money lost through thievery in companies comes from their own employees stealing from them now you have to be careful if you're going to start your life a crime there was a there was a guy out in california i think it was he was uh seattle i'm sorry seattle washington and so with gas was really high must have been maybe in the 80s or something and he went to siphon went to a rv park and went to siphon some gasoline out of the tank. And so he stick the, you stick the rubber hose in the gas tank and you, you go, and then the gas starts coming out. I do that for my, uh, for my aquariums. I do that, get, get the water, start cleaning out the aquariums, and hopefully none gets you in your mouth. And I, put my, I don't put the hose all the way up to my mouth. I put a little spit right there so I don't actually have to uh, get my mouth on the hose. But anyway, he, he was siphoning, except he put the hose in the wrong place. He put it in the sewage collection. So he decided to do that. And so when Dennis Quigley looked outside, who was inside the home when, the, when he was trying to do that, when he looked outside his RV, he discovered the thief curled up on the ground, violently vomiting, <laughs> intending to suck the contents of the gasoline tank. He had inadvertently sucked up the tank of the other the sewage tank. The thief, who was 14 years old, was not prosecuted. They thought he'd probably much, served pretty much his time by sucking up all that already. Interesting, after the 92 riots, uh, there was Steve Futterman was in the interviewing uh, somebody on the radio, and he had interviewed one of the looters. And the man had been in the crowd when they were looting records. If you have to, by the way, aren't records coming back? They're called vinyl or something like that. He had looted a record store, and he was asked, Sir, what did you steal? He said, I stole gospel tapes because I love them. <laughs> Looting a store because I love Jesus. I stole gospel tapes. Direct theft. Then there is fraud or white-collar crime. White-collar crime. There was a motel used to, a long time ago, that would offer a $20 cash rebate. So if you were out on your trip, you were working for your company, the, the, the bill was $80, and they slipped you a $20 bill, and you could say, my cost was $80 for my motel, but you got to pocket the $20 on the side. You were committing fraud against the company you were working for. The Bible says servants obey in all things... Your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, 
but as in singleness of heart fearing God. One of the biggest fraud epidemics we have had was during COVID, as you well know. COVID unemployment fraud ranging from either $80 billion to $400 billion. Identity theft was rampant during the COVID. My wife's bosses, I think one or two, if not both of them, got they were trying to steal your Social Security to claim unemployment benefits. And the people who really deserve them have not still waiting to get them. That doesn't seem quite right to me, but that's the way it was. That's called fraud. There was a guy who was applying for a job. He asked his prospective employer, he said, how much are you going to pay me? And the employee replied, said, well, sir, I'll pay you what you're worth. Oh, no, not doing that. I just left the job making more than that that I'm worth. That's a lot of people. They just don't put themselves into their jobs nowadays, and they spend so many much of their time just piddling around instead of finding things to do that are profitable. Masters, in Colossians 4.1, or employees, if you employers, Give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. So employers are to be just and equal, and employees are to do their work. It's interesting. I was telling Stephanie this week that we quickly go in America, perhaps other places as well, from, oh, I'm so thankful to have a job, to entitlement. Now, why am I not getting this? Why am I not getting that? I've been here three months. I should get a $10 an hour raise. Why, why am I not getting this? I'm doing my job. And, uh, but, you, but you agreed to work for this. I, I know, but... I'm not happy with that any longer. I was happy that when, when I was out of a job, and I really, I'm so thankful. Do you see how quickly we can go? I'm telling you, I have found in the last few months, the best way to get out of doldrums is to start counting your blessings. Lord, I thank you for this. Now, I, I should have remembered that Monday night, but that would have worked much better than what I was probably thinking. But that, honestly, it's, if, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord. For, how about gambling? Not only there is ways to live without integrity, without integrity will be direct theft, fraud, and how about gambling? Oh, pastor, it's not that big a deal. I'm telling you, it's a big deal. Matter of fact, this very night, last year, bet on the Super Bowl, $7.6 billion. But since Arizona is now a gambling-friendly state, Estimated $16 billion over double last year will be wagered on the game tonight. $16 billion. Gambling, I believe, is morally wrong. You say, Pastor, you get, you're, you get such uh, shape about things that really aren't that important. I, I tell you, there are some things that are important. You wonder why our nation, I'm telling you, part of that is we just sort of let things slough off. I saw, for example, uh, maybe it's a personal, uh, but I saw the pastor of this huge Hillsong, Hillsong uh, group has just been named, he and his wife as co-pastors of the International Hillsong, and his hair is down past his shoulders. As the lead pastor of the whole movement, I'm thinking, listen, let's go back to what the Bible says. I struggle with that. You say, well, pastor, you're old funny daddy. Okay, I'm an old funny daddy, but look at what the Bible says. The Bible says it's an embarrassment for a man. You know, the Bible says that. Embarrassment for a man. To, and please do not come with me. Well, Jesus had long hair. You cannot. Baloney on that. Baloney on that. Well, pastor, the pictures pick up. That's just man's ideology. You think Christ is going to go contrary to the teaching of his word? He is the word. If Paul's going to write, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. But pastor, that was. I'm telling you. We let the door in music, the door open in music. In America, you, you wonder why we're, how can a man, or 
supposedly be a man dressed as a girl acting like I don't know what, and two of them together on the Grammy Awards a week just a week ago tonight, and they can worship Satan through their song, and we're not in the uproar. Have you not seen how this has gotten in the door? The, the Russian pastors in 1984 or 91 wrote a letter to in USA Today, please don't bring your Christian rock music to our nation. It will just destroy us. They used to torture pastors with rock and roll music. And yet, Pastor, I'm, I'm telling you, we have let go on all these things. And you wonder why the church is so anemic, because we've not stood for the clear. But that's just, I know, culture can be wrong. If it doesn't glorify God, then we shouldn't be doing it in the church. I know I don't get a lot of amens on that, but I'm telling you, we, sh- we shouldn't. I don't want to be, I don't want to be guessing. Should that, does that... Should we be doing that? If it's guessing, if in doubt, don't. If in doubt, don't. And I know what you listen to is your own time, is your own business. But when we come here, I err on the conservative side. So those who are conservative can come here and not feel uh, antsy. I would be the one feeling antsy. And so what, but this is only, what, two or three hours a week, what you do on your own. But I want us all to be able to worship and feel like we're singing worship music. That's one reason, that's one of the big reasons I do it. We have the music that we have. Gambling. If, if I had a lemonade stand and I sold lemonade for a, a dollar, you would get refreshed and I would get my dollar. But in gambling, for every winner, there must be countless losers. You can't bet a dollar and win a million unless awful lot of people bet their dollars and got nothing or tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars. I read this afternoon that the average 70% of the people who either win from either 1 million to 500 million in five years, they spend it all. 70% of the lottery winners within five years have lost or spent every single thing they won in five years. And you should read how it's changed people's lives. Often, not for the better, and one more saying, uh, we, we won all this money, we bought ourselves an upscale neighborhood, and we invited everybody for the, for the 4th of July picnic and our upscale, and nobody came because they said we don't, deserve the money we aren't we haven't earned our money there's a lot we, we don't think about perhaps there's publicity perhaps there's people ask we just don't oh oh that will solve all my problems and most likely will multiply your problems if you win the lottery which by the way is gambling which i don't think we i should do many christians today see absolutely no harm in that i'm telling you oh but pastor Buying the lottery tickets that funds our school. Are we going to take from our own people to do something with it? Do you, do you, have we, have we not, can we not see that? When you stray from the clear teaching of God's word, we're going to have a country that looks like America does today in 2023. A drift. I'm moving on. Woohoo, thank the Lord. Direct theft, this is ways not to have integrity, fraud, gambling. And how about withholding love? Withholding love and devotion from those to whom it is due also causes us to break this commandment. For example, the Bible commands husbands and wives what not to defraud one another in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. We're also commanded not to withhold neighborly love. Owe no man anything but to love one another, Romans 13, verse 8. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So when we don't do those things, we're actually robbing them of what we should be doing. We only think of it as stealing, but really that would be robbing people of what we should be giving them. 
the way to live without integrity, stealing from ourselves. Jeremiah 5, 25, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. You are robbing yourself when you go into the world. We find that when we steal from others, by any of the means we've talked about, flagrant robbery, crooked business deals, failing to love, as we ought, we are really stealing from ourselves. You offend yourself when you attempt to defraud others and seeking to get what you, you're the one who loses. When we seek these things, really, we're the losers of those and stealing from God. How can we steal from God? Have you given him your life? Have you received him as Savior? And if you've done that, are you bearing fruit? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You are God's. He has claim upon you. I love this quote. He who owns the sheep owns the wool. If you're his sheep, the wool on your back. I don't think the wool back there. There might be. I don't know. But if it was or not, you're going to start batting like a sheep. We are to give it. He owns us. Your talents. By the way, I really think I don't try to harp on giving. That's between you and God. I don't know what you do. I don't know anybody what they give the church except my wife and I. And that's the way I like it. But you, you need to give whatever little bit you can. Or I would encourage you to tithe completely. The tithe all the time. Since it all belongs to God, you should be giving faithfully back unto him. Don't be guilty of keeping back for yourself what is God's. There was a knock at a door in a missionary in Africa many years ago. And he answered the door and found one of the little native boys. And he had a large fish in his hand. He said, Reverend, you taught us about tithing. So here, I brought you my tithe. And as the missionary greatly, gratefully took the fish, he said to the young man, If this is your tithe, where are the other nine? At this, the boy smiled and said, Oh, they're still back in the river. I'm going back to catch them. How many of us would tithe like that? No, I'd cut the tail off. Here's the tithe. Here's one ninth of the tail. It's nine inches long. It's about the biggest fish I've ever There's my one inch of tithe. So the necessity of integrity, there are ways to live without it. Secondly, is the importance of industry, importance in our text. Let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good. And there is a blessing of work, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. If any would not work, neither should he do what? Eat. So we're all to be involved. I know some are not physically able to, but if you're physically able to work, we should be working. Work's a gift from God. Not some odious difficulty and trial. Well, pastor, I'm waiting to get to heaven. When I get to heaven, I'm going to sit around and do nothing. Really? No. We're going to be serving. My wife played for me a very, uh, I liked it. It was a video. A guy was talking about his Bible. He said, how many read your Bible through? You may have seen it. How many read your Bible through? Raise your hand. He said, if you haven't, if you've not read your Bible through, you're going to get to heaven, you're going to be out of place. And Obadiah might come up to you and said, Obadiah might say, do you have read my book? Uh-oh. You had a book in here? Yes. You've not, I've not read it. You might meet Zephaniah. Oh, how did you like my book? Uh, you see, you're going to be out of place. If you don't know what, now I can't tell you exactly what Obadiah, all of the ins and outs of Obadiah, or Zephaniah, I know he talks about singing, chapter 3. But you see what I'm saying? 
what, what if Paul comes up? To, how did you think that chapter 1 of Romans? Wasn't that so important? Oh my goodness, Paul, the Holy Spirit, as you pin Romans chapter 1, especially in part, clearly helped us to delineate what is God's plan for the moral revolution or irrevolution. Thank you, Paul. And he'll go on to one of the many of the millions others. But if you don't know what God has said in his word, can you wait to talk to Daniel? Daniel, oh my goodness, Daniel, you, you are a, a flagship to which we attested to, that we would dare to be like you. Oh my goodness, we fall so far short, even of your courage. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? Well, an old rabbi, one of the old, I'm sorry, the old rabbis in Israel used to say, he who does not teach his son to, a trade teaches him to steal. Give a man a fish and he has feeds for one day. Teach a man to fish and he feeds himself for a lifetime. This is the old Chinese proverb. I like that one. Fishing every day. The blessing of work. We, but the second thing is also the importance of industry. I think we've lost a generation or two or three. Young people have, in our age, not all, but as a broad brush, a lot of young people don't know the value of work. I know there's different ways, and they've got all this social media, and they can sit and work on their, their phones and things. If you're earning your money that way, I understand it. But if you're simply trying to pass the time, well, I think I'm going to win the sweepstakes, or I think I'm going to win the lottery. And when I win that lottery, I'm going to have to be set for the rest of my life. You've got maybe five years. You're going to have it all spent in five years, most likely, 70% do. Well, I'm going to wait for the, I, I, the COVID just, I, you know, the COVID thing got me so, stopped working. And I think they're going to start up maybe some kind of unemployment and things. If I, I just can't, I just don't, I, I, you know, it, it's, it harms me to work. I just don't want to start working again. Now, I know there are some real legitimate reasons people can't work. But there's a lot of people who just don't work because they don't want to. They don't want to. So I encourage you to work. Now, not political, but, but really moral and biblical. Adrian Rogers says this, quoting from him. I like it. You cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the industrious out of it. You don't multiply wealth by dividing it. Government cannot give anything to anybody that it does not first take from somebody else. You can't do it. This trillions of dollars, we spent bipartisan, we spent trillions of dollars. That's, by the way, that's my great-grandchildren's probably going to be stuck with that. Your great-grandchildren as well. One of the worst things that can happen to any nation is to have half the people to get the idea that they don't have to work because somebody else will work for them and the other half to get the idea it doesn't matter about doing work because they don't get to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Tax them to death. And they'll just, well, it's not worth working anymore. The philosophy of the 60s hippies and flower children are now the people who are their children and now the ones who are making the laws. And you wonder... Result, you see why America is suffering. The philosophy of that no-work mindset has turned into legislation in many regards. Those working for the most part are not working for the pleasure and joy of cooperating with Almighty God, but still just simply get enough money that they may be able to, to, to have money to do things. A Russian guide once said to a group of tourists, U.S. tourists, you know what was wrong with communism. <clears throat> under communism, we pretended to work, and they pretended to pay us, and everything went under. You know what's wrong with America today? Now, this was written some time ago. We have created a society perilously close to the same description, a society in which some people are better off not by not working. The girl's living in poverty-stricken, an infested home with roaches and filth. She can get some help. 
All she has to do is have a child without, uh, out of wedlock and then also not get a job. And then their government will come along and help support her for the rest of, I don't know how long, however it is. Again, I know there are some people who really need help. I'm not, I help people. That's what I do for a living and during the week is help people, especially older folks, with things. I understand that. I'm not trying to be unkind, but it's the worst thing we can do is simply to our society. The Lord admonishes us to have mercy on those who need mercy. Yes, but it's time for us to wake up and find another plan because as you have seen for the last 20, 30, 40 years, the plan we set in place is not really working. Why do you say that, Pastor? We are $30 trillion plus in debt. There's a staggering amount of money. You know it's all going to come due sometime? Do you, do you understand that, right? It's all going to come due at some point in time. The importance of industry, the blessing of work, the loss of the generation, teaching the value of work. We are to be teaching people the value of work. A movement in the 90s in Alabama was put to prison inmates to work caused real fervor. Imagine making inmates work and to learn a skill. Do you know that in 1828, 85% of all prison inmates were gainfully employed, and by 1990, less than 10% were gainfully employed in prison. One Christian leader made this statement, with one of the most destructive and wasteful national policies imaginable, we are deliberately keeping almost, he said, a million, not two million, men and women out of the labor force and denying them the skills they need when they are released from prison to reenter the labor force. In America, we have, we have 4.2% of the world's population and 20% of those incarcerated. 4.2% of the world's population, and yet we have housed 20% of those incarcerated across the world. Why don't, why don't inmates know how to work? Well, perhaps they spent more time trying to do things wrong. I understand some are in there, again, maybe a one-time thing. I understand that. But we, we should be training our children, your children, our grandchildren the, 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 to work. We should be. I remember Kevin telling me about his dad, George, Kevin and, and, and Craig and Chris, how the, his, Mr. George Gullion made them work a lot. And they were, I would say, yes, I know that feeling. And Uncle, uh, my dad, he was a workaholic, and he, he expected us. And they, we did do a lot of work. But it never killed us. I'm still here alive. It provided for our food, etc. a lot of times. It's God's plan. Teaching our kids to work. If you want kids to be successful in work, we have to show them what to do. It is much easier, and I can take the trash out five times faster than my son could take it out. Did you take out the trash yet? No. Oh, I'm going to do it. Take the trash out yet? No. I'm just going to do it. My, and I get to, I'm just going to do it myself. And it's a lot faster, but what are we training? We're training, <laughs> training our children that if I wait long enough, Dad will just do it, and I don't have to do it. I can still play my video game. That's what I'm training Dad to do. Well, but Pastor, after all, play is a child's work. So just let the child play. In Israel, you were a man at 13. You had your bar mitzvah, and you had responsibilities. But there are no teenagers in the Bible. You realize that? Teenager is not a biblical terminology. Teenager. Young man. Teenager, not so much. One pastor said that when he grew up, he and his brother had to mow the grass that was bitter and blue. Because when their dad told them to cut the grass, they were bitter and blue. Someone told me tonight that someone has already cut the grass. In Sodadale. 
Sonodale, someone's already had the mower out and had a coat on to mow the grass. Let me, there's something wrong with the picture that has you out mowing grass with a coat on in February. Helping our children do the work. We are to do that. We are to show how to work. And so finally, not only necessity of integrity, we've got five minutes, the importance of industry, the joy of generosity. The last part of that verse, let him labor that he may have to give to him that needeth. Have to give the him that needeth. What, what's the opposite of stealing? It's not stealing. The opposite is taking from is giving to. So if I'm not taking from, I can be giving to someone. Acts 20, Paul said, 33, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you, your, you yourselves know, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto many necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you all know those words. It's found in Acts chapter 20. But how often do I put those words into my life? I like the receiving part. And yesterday, I, now over the last two, a couple of Christmases, I was given, I specifically asked for, Milwaukee toolboxes. And so I even have the one that's on wheels. And so I like that. And uh, 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 Pastor could be, Pastor, you could, they told me yesterday morning, it just zipped me right up. Pastor, you could be a contractor with those tools, but we all know better than that. So it quickly faded. But that was giving, giving, and I, and I, I told, I'm going to keep those the rest of my life, and when I'm done with them, I'll pass them on to someone else. And that's, that's, that's the gift to receive. So I like receiving. But we should like giving better. Giving should be, that's what really, does that not give? When, when I did my class on Wednesday or two, Wednesday this past week, I had new people, did our class, and I was walking out, and the lady said three or four times, now, Tim, we are so thankful for you to come and give of your time to teach us computers. Now, you could come back tomorrow, and I'd forget everything you said today if you came back tomorrow, but can you come back more often? And so that's like, just that one little shot in the arm was like, I'll come back. And that's, it doesn't have to be monetary. Can you give a word of encouragement? Can we give those, those kind of things? So the joy of generosity. Misery comes from mirrors, but joy comes from windows. Misery comes from mirrors. Oh, look at, woe is me. And joy comes, wow. Look who I can help. Look who I can pray for. Look who I can help out. To give not only many needs, but givers and takers. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said, Make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Teach our children to give out of their own money to God's work. Are your children tithing on their allowance? Are they tithing on giving what you get? I trust they're doing that. Uh, Reverend W.P. Nicholson in Belfast, Ireland, they were having a revival. The old advantage would, would preach to the dock workers there in Ireland, powerfully causing conviction and insisting on repentance. And many of the men repented, trusted Christ as Savior, and started bringing back everything they had stolen from the shipyards. Finally, the authorities of the shipyards had to make a public announcement, will all those attending the meetings with Mr. W.P. Nicholson please stop returning all your stolen goods? We have nowhere to store them now. Can you imagine that? 
That's what happens when Zacchaeus gets saved. I'm going to get back. Well, I'm going to, if I robbed, I'm going to get back four times. I'm going to do this. That's the idea. When we truly get right with God, thou shalt not steal is what I wonder. Have I, am I taking a paper clip? I shouldn't. Did I buy that? That a stamp. My wife and I tease about a stamp, and so sometimes we have to borrow a stamp, and I have to send them over, etc. We're going to make sure that stamp gets back over to her company, because that should be us. Thou shalt not steal. Should have you should have a very high threshold that I'm not going to violate this in any way, capacity. Giving third and finally giving of yourself. Don't steal from God by withholding yourself. Full surrender. Finders, keepers, they say, and losers, weepers. I say just the opposite. Keepers are weepers, and losers are the finders. You lose yourself for God and find the joy of Jesus. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, it says in Mark 8, and the Gospels, the shame shall save it. If you've never given your life to Christ in full surrender, why not do so even now? And as we do that, we will have the joy in serving Jesus, thou shalt not steal in any way, shape, or form. May that be our understanding. And with God's help, do that. Be honesty. Do not leave home without it. Let us pray. The Lord, this commandment is very pervasive in our lives. It should be part of all that we are every day. So easy to get a, uh, well, just, you know, just let this go, let that slide. Let's not be sliding around. Let's obey your word. May we be people of the book, people that follow the commands. May we be setting the example of what it means to be people of honesty. May we have integrity. May we show the necessity of work. And may we have, see also the joy of generosity of giving. It truly is more blessed to give than receive. Lord, so work in our hearts. If there's a need this evening, may we respond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.